The EP Podcast. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always at theeppodcast.com. Live EP Podcast shows now on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., and Fridays at 4 p.m. direct through the Podbean app. You can get that in any app store or just go to the eppodcast.com on a device that does apps. You'll get prompted to download it. It's free. You can join in the discussion anytime. Hannah and I spoke this past week with two very important guests, and we're going to play both of them on the show this week, this on-demand release that comes out each and every Monday for the folks in Evergreen Park and surrounding suburbs here on the south side of Chicago. Mayor James Sexton on the program. We're going to ask some tough questions. His reaction to what's going on currently with reopening Illinois. Will it be enough for Evergreen Park? And has he considered stepping away from what the governor's actually doing right now? Can he do it? And before we get to him, we're going to have Dr. David Beckman, local Evergreen Park doctor who was one of the first people to start testing people for COVID-19 and do antibody tests. We're talking about a guy who's done thousands of tests and is going to sit down and talk plainly with us about what is actually really going on, how it affects you right here in Evergreen Park locally, and which studies you actually should be listening to. That and so much more up ahead in the 30 minutes of good that is the EP podcast. And remember, if you miss the live shows and can't call in during those, you can call anytime you want to. We got a voicemail, 708-459-8406, like this call right here. Hey, Chris, my name is Elizabeth. A lot of people also know me as Liz the CNA, or otherwise a certified nurse, nursing assistant. Um, I think you are spot on with the coronavirus. People need to take it seriously, but also at the same time, we can't keep on like this forever. I think people also need to be more aware of not only the patients, but you know the healthcare workers too. Sometimes we go in and our PPE is even limited. I could go on and on and on. I'm probably more lax than others because us healthcare workers, we are around some diseases such as MRSA, staph, bed bugs, you name it. Um, thanks. Bye. Well, first of all, Liz, I appreciate that. I'm trying to do my best. I wish we could just sit around and goof off on this show. I look forward to happier times. Secondly, thank you very much for all the hard work you're doing. Stay safe. Thirdly, my biggest concern now is that we can find a cure for this new disease going around this week. It's called Make Your Own Avatar on Facebook. None of your avatars look like you. Not a single one. Stop it. Stop it now. Dr. David Beckman is on the phone with me, and Doc, you've been on the show many a time. We appreciate you stopping by. You're on the front lines of this whole COVID-19 crisis. You were with us when we were trying to figure out what it was going to turn into, and then when it did turn into something, I've already done an antibody test. My friends are jealous, although I didn't get the results that I wanted, and I want to welcome you back onto the show. How are you? Doing okay. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. You're over at uh, Family First Medical Group. I want to say, what is that? That's like 97th and Western? Do I have the right area That's there? That's right. Yep. Okay. Yep. And and are you, are you still doing all the testing? You're doing the COVID-19 testing, any antibody testing? Has anything changed with the testing 
as people are learning more about the disease? We, yeah, so we're, we're still doing both tests, the COVID-19 nasal swab for any patient that is symptomatic or thinks that they had an exposure to someone with COVID-19 and they're worried they might have active virus. We're, we're still doing those, those tests through the TriVup test. And with the, uh, with the antibody test, we've uh, been, been collecting a lot of data on that. Um, we've been doing it now for about two weeks and <laughs> believe it or not, we've actually done a thousand tests, um, a thousand antibody tests, and we've detected about a, a 3% positive rate in terms of uh, having the antibodies to COVID-19. So we're still, we're still doing that. We're actually, um, we've modified our protocol a little bit because the concern with some of the antibody, the finger stick antibody test is the possibility of having a false positive result. So we actually are doing a confirmation with a blood draw uh, in the office. And what we're seeing is that uh, the finger stick test that we're using is pretty, uh, is pretty accurate with the blood draw. We're seeing that the blood draw is pretty much supporting what we would expect and what we're seeing on the finger stick test. So now here's the argument that I keep getting, and this is what I'm curious about from you. I've, I've seen some studies that indicate that based upon all the people that don't show any symptoms, which they say could be as high as 85% of people aren't showing symptoms, but they actually have it, that there's far more people that, that are walking around that have had COVID-19 and that the, the, fat- the mortality rate is not as high as was suspected even three, four weeks ago. But your test is showing you've tested a thousand people, only three percent have the antibodies. Almost that almost flies in the face of those other things that I'm reading. So what what is your thought as you read the medical journals, you're a doctor on the front lines, you're doing this testing. What do you how do you picture this disease right now? Is it something where there's there's a lower mortality rate? Do you think that the CDC is dead on? What what is your feeling when you look at all the data? The mortality rate has definitely gone down as We've done more testing. Um, I think for the last month, I'm sorry, for, yeah, for the last month, if you look at the number of uh, percent positive cases of COVID-19 uh, f- for the whole country, it's been going down. So at the beginning of April, about 20% of patients that were being tested for COVID-19 were positive. And now that rate has uh it's been dropping steadily since the beginning of April, and now it's actually um, around nine or ten percent. So we're, see- we're we're definitely seeing a, a decline in the percent positive of uh, COVID nineteen patients. The the overall mortality rate initially started out we, we started out thinking it was maybe three or even four percent, and now it's seeming like that mortality rate is um, probably no more than one percent, and likely a lot less than that. Um, there, there is a, a big skew with mortality based on the age of the patient and whether they have comorbidities. But basically, if you're looking at um, patients that are 50 years old or younger that are otherwise healthy without any medical problems, 
that mortality rate is pretty low. It's probably more like 0.2%. It's definitely a um, an illness that that affects uh, older, sicker patients. And if you look at if you look at the national data of the number of patients that actually have died and the percentage of patients that have died, um, a- approaching 50% of them have been uh, patients either in nursing homes or in um, assisted living facilities, which kind of uh, brings up the point that those those are actually those should actually be the focus of uh, you know limiting the spread and and really making sure that you have good protocols with with your staff and making sure that patients are protected and that you're not having a lot of people uh, going into the nursing homes. I think if you really shore that up, then um, there are a lot fewer people that are going to get really sick and end up dying. So let me ask you another question here. And this one, I'm, I'm looking for advice myself. I have the three kids. All right. You know, I got a, I got a 14 year old, I got a 12 year old and I got a four year old. The, the 12 year old had, has an inhaler that he takes during uh, the spring and the fall. Cause seasonally, if he gets sick during that time, if he catches an illness, he will sometimes wake up and have what sounds like a whooping cough. And we keep like in a butyrol treatment there for him just in case he doesn't really have like traditional asthma attacks. He gets like a touch of it whenever he's ill. Other than that, there's no major illnesses that are sitting inside of this family. My wife and I consider ourselves to be more on the healthy side than the obese side. We've separated ourselves from our parents who are older and more at risk, and we don't go anywhere near them. But now I've got the Evergreen Park Girls Softball League sends me an email this week, and they're gauging how people feel, and they have a hope they can open up and start playing games with the kids in the middle of June. Now, to me, okay. a lot of me feels like, okay, look, they, they intend to disinfect the balls. They don't want anybody showing up if they're sick. They might require them to wear masks on the field while they're playing. Uh, there's no perfect thing here. I, I see other neighborhood right. kids that run around in packs around here, and nobody's got any protective equipment. So I'm sure <laughs> it's still getting passed around amongst the kids. But there's yeah. a part of me that's wondering, am I being too protective, saying, no, she's not playing this year. It's not worth it. Or is this something that I – like? I, there's another part of me that goes – when you look at a child, when you look at the kids my age, they have the same amount of a chance of dying from the flu as they have from this or close enough to it because it doesn't seem to hit kids that badly. What, what, what do you, what do you, how do you respond to that? Yeah, that, that's, so that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, nationally, only about 2% of the coronavirus virus cases are less in children less than 18. Um, and you're right. I mean, the likelihood of some, of a child um, under 18 getting really sick and dying from this is extremely low. So that, I mean, those are the facts. Um, and so I, I think a lot of the fear comes from the fact that it's a, it's a virus that's new and people are kind of weary and, and leery about it. There's actually some, some newer, newer data that's coming out that's, that's actually, raising a, a, a pretty interesting point, which is that um, do children actually spread coronavirus to adults? And some of the data is actually saying that kids are very unlikely to infect adults um, with coronavirus. That's obviously preliminary and 
you know, ha- has not been well studied or verified, but there've been a few, a few smaller studies in Switzerland and in Iceland that have looked at kids and even kids. So even if kids get sick, they tend to not pass the virus to adults, which would be great news because then it would kind of uh, make an argument that, well, you know, is are closing schools really the right thing and keeping them closed indefinitely? Is that a good thing? And preventing kids from socializing with each other, is that really a great thing? Uh, you know, the way, the way I kind of think about this is if you, if you know the kids that, uh, the kids and the families that you uh, are going to socialize with and you know who they're going to be exposed to, then you can kind of think about, okay, I, I, I know this family, I know these kids, I know that they're not going out in really crowded areas and they're not taking unnecessary risks. And so then you can start kind of uh, opening things up a little bit in that way where, um, you know, close neighbors that aren't going out, can the kids kind of hang out a little bit uh, um, in, in, brief, in brief encounters? And then if that's going okay and you're feeling comfortable with that, then you start thinking about about sports because the reality is that a, a vaccine, even if there is a vaccine that comes out, and that is a big if, um, even if a vaccine comes out, you're looking at a year away, maybe 18 months. And so there's really not going to be much that's going to change between now and then unless we get some dramatically um, uh, amazing treatment for the virus. So, I mean, at some point you do have to ask the question and you have to, and like everything in in life, you have to weigh the risks versus the benefits and you have to say, okay, we're going to take precautions. We're not going to go in really crowded areas. We're not going to go to concerts. We're not going to be around a lot of um, strangers where you (laughs) maybe question their their hygiene methods um, and and their hand washing me- methods, but but that you start to think, okay, let's let's maybe hang out. And I, I think you can start with your close family and uh, and and relatives and make sure that everyone's on board. Because the question that you ask, Chris, is one that I think most families and people are asking themselves every day. Um, I know I had the same conversation with my family uh, over the past weekend. And the reality is we're having to make decisions with incomplete information and so many unknowns. If for some reason Evergreen Park decides, look, our businesses are falling apart here. We want to open up the restaurants at 50% capacity and separate people. We want to allow Most Holy Redeemer Church. If you keep like a pew or two pews between everybody in the church, We don't see any difference in that between people lining up at Home Depot right now. And we think that we can control it with our health inspectors and, you know, maybe talk about, and and, and I don't know how you want to approach the answer to this, you know, I can't understand why a a, a hair salon would be safer than if somebody's wearing an N95 mask or something like that with, with gloves and I'm separated by 10 feet from the table next to me. If that business wants to open up a patio and try to find a way to, to stay alive, like, 
Would you see yeah. a massive difference when you look at things? I mean, you're a doctor. You know how people get sick. Is this something that, yeah. like, like, would it be a disaster to open up, or, or, or is there is there a safe way to do it for each and every business? I mean, these are these are great questions, and I think the questions that need to be need to be asked, um, you know, not only on a local level but on a on a national level. And so, I so. The, the reality is you're, you're exactly right. There's a lot of, um, I think, frankly, hypocrisy with the way um, some, some businesses are, are open. You know, you can go into a grocery store with 150 people in there, um, but then if you're separated outside, then some, some people frown at that, you know. So it's, it's a very inconsistent policy. And I think that the other thing that people are concerned about is, well, okay, if you open things up, there's going to be a spike in cases. And even though that's true, I mean, that's an expected result. You cannot keep everything closed indefinitely. And what we're not talking about from a health standpoint enough about is the secondary health crisis that's going to come out of COVID-19, which are um, deaths from despair, suicide, uh, alcohol abuse, substance abuse, um, uh, delayed cancer screenings, delayed childhood immunizations. I mean, these are all real issues that um, we're all facing as, you know, as primary care, family medicine. We, we see kids and we, and we know that there have been a lot of parents that have been afraid to bring their kids in to vaccinate, and that's going to create another problem down the road. So I think that businesses that have an idea of, okay, how are we going to do this safely? Can we open up just uh, an outdoor patio space where we, where we have uh, enough social distancing? We have servers that are limited with with masks and gloves, we we have people that are sterilizing the um, common surfaces in the bathrooms on a regular basis. Um, do you have partitions between uh, between tables? Do you? Um, I mean, these are all ideas that I think are only ideas that actually business owners can come up with uh, because they they're they're struggling and they're and they're worried and they're trying to think of ways to be responsible, but at the same time realizing that they, that they actually need to open up or there are going to be other big problems with, with health and loss of insurance and uh, unable to being unable to afford medications. I mean, these are, these are the unseen ways that this pandemic is affecting people's health. That's Dr. David Beckman. He is a wonderful doctor. We're lucky enough to be able to sit down and talk with all the time. He's over at Family First Medical Group, 9730 Southwestern Avenue and Suite 225. You can get your testing done, your COVID-19, your antibody. He gives great advice, and we love it every time that he comes on to the show. And, Doc, I look forward to talking to you again soon. I feel like we ran into each other at just the perfect time. You know what else I remember when we were talking here, as I let you go, is that you when we were talking about the death rate, I remember you sat down here at my bar, and originally 
you thought the rate was good, was good, was low. And then we get this other information. It looks like it's high. And now you're right back to saying, you know what? Now we've got even more information. It's low. And I think that that's the whole key here. You can't take something that you read three weeks ago and say, but I read this three weeks ago because this is changing constantly, right? It is. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, there's Dr. Beckman. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Chris. Does your financial advisor actually take time to listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? Why worry about those things when Tom Walsh is nearby? He's your local Edward Jones financial advisor. He works with you, focusing on what's important to you. He uses an established process to create personalized financial strategy, and he partners with you to help your strategy stay on track. Listen, families in South Chicagoland have been benefiting from Tom's get-to-know-you approach and do-the-right-thing values for over 18 years. Contact my close personal friend and also a fellow Brother Ice alumni, Tom Walsh. He's your local Edward Jones advisor, located in Mount Greenwood, right outside of the EP at 111th and Kedzie. Member SIPC. So you just heard from Dr. David Beckman. Now you get to hear from the mayor of Evergreen Park, James Sexton, joining me right now on the phone. We're going to ask some tough questions, but first of all, Mr. Mayor, how are you? Great, Chris. Good morning, and hope everybody in your family is healthy. Yeah, yeah. So far, so good. We've been doing a good job social distancing. Uh, I went out and bought these uh, things called neck gaiters. They're like these really lightweight scarves that go around your neck. The kids don't feel as silly pulling them up over their face when they need to. I just pulled mine up. My daughter Kelly got me one and Karen one, and it's great because then you don't have to have it around your face. You can leave it around your neck, and when you need it, you pull it up. We had Dr. David Beckman on, who is over on 97th and Western, and the doctor was one of the first people in the entire area on the south side of Chicago, and he's here in Evergreen Park, who started doing COVID-19 testing. And he was one of the family first. Family first. Yes, family first medical group. And and then he was one of the first people to start doing the antibody test. So he thinks that this plan is too slow that the governor is trying to put into place. What is the feeling over there in the village? Well, number one, we still are concerned about everybody's health. But yes, as I agree with the doctor, we need to start to inch into this thing. We just can't have phase one, phase two, three, four, five, and not have any dates put on these things. And I know it's a kind of a liquid situation, but uh, we need to start to put some uh, some dates on these phases. Uh, and yes, we have had some conversations with the girls softball and with the two little league uh, uh, clubs in our town. And we're hoping we can get that going by June 15th. But we will take special measures. We're going to have some signage put up. We're looking into disinfectant machines that we can have outside for the time being. But, um, you know, we, we need to get back to some type of normal, even if we do put special precautions in place. We all just can't continue to stay in our houses. The domestics are way up. The mental health is way down. Um, people are having other issues. This isn't the only issue. This goes back to something that the doctor also said. He said there is a there is a secondary wave of illness and death that nobody is keeping track of that doctors around the country are aware of, and that is the increase in suicide rates, the uh, 
the fact that there are an awful lot of preventable and curable cancers that will not be able to be taken care of because people are afraid to go into their doctor's office or are excusing something that normally would have worried them and they would have called the doctor because they're afraid to go outside. And he also felt that, you know, looking at all the data and talking to to, to different experts that no big difference between the idea if you start separating people and putting in special social distancing in, say, a restaurant area than there is from a salon. But they're in two different phases of the governor's plan. I guess my my question I'm trying to get to here is I'm already reading things like Orland Park's plan that they put up. I'm hearing things from business owners in Orland Park that they've been told on the side uh, that we might reopen a little bit quicker than what this plan is. I'm reading in the Tribune today, Grundy County Sheriff saying, I'm not enforcing this order. There's all there's starting to become a little bit of a revolt. Where does Evergreen Park sit on that? Have you talked with the other neighboring villages about the possibility of going on your own or at least with a coalition of other suburbs with a different plan? I understand there's some some conversation about uh, about opening up some restaurants and bars and things like that. Um, we have not been part of that conversation to this point. Uh, we are just hoping uh, that our elected officials get involved and start to experiment a little bit with some of these things and open up, you know, baseball, open up some restaurants, open up some outdoor eating. And let's see what the results are. If if they're bad, we can always reverse track and go back to this stay-at-home thing. Uh, I just received a, a memo, Chris, from our insurance carrier, uh, and it says that we should uh, uh, we should consider the potential risk, assuming that events that they enact adapts and affirms any actively or implicitly promotes on a reopening. So in other words, our, our, our uh, insurance company is telling us, don't be letting people break the law because your insurance may not cover you. So this is all part of the bigger scheme, but we do need to start to uh, investigate, try some things, see if it works, see if it doesn't work. We can always go backwards. But it's about time we start going forward. So that's interesting about the insurance thing. And that, 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 that's something that I've been curious about because I see that the governor is constantly talking about how there would be consequences if people went off and did something different from what he was ordering. And I have talked to uh, Mark Marzullo was on here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've talked very candidly about this. I, I've talked with you about it on the show as well. I'd be shocked if I was wrong, assuming that you understand how dangerous this is for for certain businesses in your in your village and the fear that if they're unable to open, you could see Evergreen Park take a massive hit. I mean, you could start to look at down 95th Street in, in six months and there's going to be a lot of closed buildings that aren't going to reopen. So it's it's got to be difficult to weigh what you know is probably going to happen if this order and this these phases take too long and, and and then also weighing the idea that some other consequences are going to hit the village if things don't go your way and you ignore the order. Well, it's a very tough decision to make, but that's why we're here to make the tough decisions. We have to start to take baby steps and see what's going to work and what's not going to work. It's all going to be different. But we just can't wait for our, you know, state and federal officials to 
to pass down an edict that we should do this or do that. We have to have more to say. We never hear from from the the, the governor or the county commissioner. Um, they're just sending down emails. Don't do this. Don't do that. Uh, we'd like to have some some tests done. You know, for instance, the state of Illinois, they never can- canceled the lottery. You can go to your local 7-Eleven, 95th in St. Louis or 99th in Kedzie and find people lined up, lined up to buy Illinois lottery tickets. Somebody explain that one to me. Yeah, and I think the local businesses are sitting there saying to themselves, okay, well, I see these big box. I see the rich. They're still able to keep open their place, and the little guy can't keep their place open. Chain restaurants have a far better chance of surviving this thing than, let's say, an, an Unidad or a Red Palm or a Porter Cullens or, or any other name of, of, of family restaurants that have been put up here that are, that, are, that are run by folks here in Evergreen Park, and this is their livelihood. And so I guess then the next question, and not to put you on the spot here, but if you get no response— if nobody talks to you from up high, if you are ignored as it seems to be going with all these other villages and you see a place like Orland defy the order and you see a place like Oak Lawn step out on their own, would it be something you would consider down the line doing if it meant saving Evergreen Park from, almost, I would say, financial ruin? We would have to cross that bridge when we get there, Chris. But you bring up uh, Porter Cullen's Unidad and Red Palm. All three have outdoor seating. We should be utilizing some of this outdoor seating and activities to test and see what is happening. Take the proper, uh, you know, set protocol as to what should be expected. And these people, it is their livelihood. Let them make some decisions on what should happen. Not these medical doctors sitting in an ivory tower. What what if and I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you another hypothetical and I get it if it's if you if you're like I don't know how I can answer that right now but let's say that one of those places decided they were going to open what if what I mean we've seen it around the country we've seen a we've seen a barber shop in Texas open up and and the woman saying I can't feed my family anymore if I don't open what happens if a business in Evergreen Park opens up right now is this something where you would be like you know, if the state's not going to talk to us, let the state police or somebody come and handle it, because why are we getting involved, or do you still feel an obligation to go over and and, and act on that? No, I, I think, uh, first of all, with the restaurants and things, they're all um, issued state liquor license, as they are locally, and the governor has uh, proposed that he would take away their license. So I don't know that they have an option there to open up. Again, we go back to the insurance thing. If they open up and and uh, try and do business, maybe they're held for some liability. The state has already promised that they would take away their license if they open. So I'm not suggesting um, some type of mutiny. Uh, we just need to start to move forward and test some things and see what's going to work. This isn't the first pandemic that we've had. We always get through it, but we have to start moving forward. I think it carries weight when you sit there and say we need to move forward. I think that carries some weight when you consider the fact that you've been on the show, you've talked about it before, you're, you're about with the West Nile virus. And I remember when that first happened and people didn't know how, how often this was going to spread and how scary it was. And you went through that kind of a scare. And you have a, a contingency of senior citizens that live in Evergreen Park in that frightening zone who are going to sit there then and say, okay, well, if we do start 
doing these soft reopens or if we go and we open too quickly, I'm afraid. So I would think that you've gone through these very serious things before. So I think that carries a little bit of weight because it's not like you're doing going about any of this willy nilly. It seems very calculated and very pragmatic. It has to be. Other thing is, Chris, we are planning on reopening our farmers market next Thursday, the 21st of May. That's a baby step. We will have social distancing. We'll have masks. We will help take things to people's cars if need be. But we have to get on with some of the normal things in life. Farmer's market's one of them. Baseball, softball is another one. Um, let's, let's start trying. Let's just not hold press conferences every day, every hour, on the hour, and make this a political football. Let's just move forward. Who's the one person you'd like to hear from on the phone right now? Is it the governor? Is it somebody from the county? Like who are you? Who is it that you realistically want to get on the phone right now? Because I'm sure you, I'm sure you have somebody you're, you're waiting to talk to. You know, I'm kind of frustrated, so I probably wouldn't want to talk to anybody at this point. <laughs> but I just want them all to get the message that we need to start to take baby steps, and that could be baseball. That could be a farmer's market. Let's see what happens at these events um, that we can learn from. How can we social distance? How can we disinfect? It appears like it's our future, so we better as well figure out how to get on with it. All right. He's frustrated. He wants some He wants some movement, and, uh, and he has to carry himself and the rest of the village through the landmines of uh, possible insurance issues and liquor licenses pulled for restaurants in town and it's it's uh it's a mess right now and i would hate to be in your position but i appreciate you coming on the show uh, mr mayor and and hopefully we got better days that are ahead of us we're almost out of the tunnel chris i hope so because you know i'm doing this interview in my pajama pants that's how far i've fallen sir Boy, I'm glad we're not on TV. (laughs) Building relationships, supporting the community, and service. These are the things that Country Financial stands for. They're more than just an office you may pass by as you drive through Evergreen Park. They're neighbors who lend a helping hand and support the fabric of your community, including charitable organizations, sports, financial education, and civic organizations. And since Country is already your neighbor, they want to get together and chat. Call your local country financial representative, Mike Thauer, today at 708-425-1559 to talk about the things that are important to you and how he can help you protect them. Today was the first time I've ever walked into a store since this lockdown began. Where did you go? What was the store you went to? I went to the Evergreen Park Ace Hardware. Ooh, that's a good choice. This was an experience. And I want to say first off, that I love everything they're doing at the Evergreen Park Ace Hardware because they are not taking any guff off of anyone. In fact, the the fine uh, young lady who was who was taking care of me, uh, who's up at the front, told me she's a listener of the show. And oh, nice. she she's like, oh, I love the show. I listen all the time. I generally get it when it's on demand. I don't get the live one all the time. But I, I she was like telling me all the different shows. She's like a new listener. She's jumped into this since the whole pandemic started. We can see it. we have a lot more people that are listening. And but while I'm in there. Some dude shows up and wants to walk in the store. And she's like, no, you don't have a mask and you can't come in. So he asks for a manager. Manager walks up. The guy hands his list of groceries, like all the stuff he wants to the guy at the Ace Hardware. And the guy at the Ace Hardware, I hear him sit there and say, like, what do you think this is, 1942? Like, you're going to stand outside while I run around and do I'm a personal shopper? No, 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 Go, no, go no, get no. a mask. He's like, I'm really sorry, but no. 
Like, uh, like we're, we're a staff of like three people. You can't give me a list of stuff I'm going to go get. And I was like, good for him. So then, then this woman walks up to the counter and lowers her mask to ask a question. And she goes, put your mask back on, Some people don't realize you don't, you can just project your voice a (laughs) tiny bit, just a little bit more. You don't have to shout. You don't have to shout. If you're taking the mask off, you've defeated the purpose of the mask. Like, where is the soup Nazi guy when we really need him? Like, he needs to be at, like, every business. He needs to be at every door to every business. She's my favorite person in the whole world because she, she was the she was the Ace Hardware Nazi, and it was the best. Like, somebody nice. who tried to walk in without a mask, she goes, she goes, put your mask on. And the guy tried something like, well, I'm from Romeoville. We're not really sick. And she's like, I don't care. Go oh step outside gosh. and put your mask on. And the guy, like, steps outside, puts his mask on, comes back in the store. I was like, this is brilliant. I love it. I want to hang out all day at the Ace Hardware and watch that. Like, and everybody's in their mask. People, everybody in their mask are laughing. They're like, you know, how does this guy not realize you got to wear a mask in a store now? Like, where are you? Where, you know, she was telling me that some young kid decided he wanted to make a point the other day and showed up in the hardware store without a mask and started yelling about his civil liberties. And she gave <sighs> and she she gave him. I'm not going to get into what she said, but she gave him a lesson in what civil liberties are and <laughs> how, like, you know, this is this is a private establishment. And then he apologized and it came back with a mask the next day, she said. But this is what this is what store owners are dealing with now, and this is what restaurant owners will deal with at some point. And I was talking to Father Highland over at the church, and I volunteered. I don't know if he's going to put me on there because I'm very outspoken. I volunteered to be one of the people on the committee to help him reopen it. And I told him, I said, what are you going to do the first time somebody comes walking in and you've made a requirement they got to wear a mask and they, they don't put one on? He goes, well, put them at the counter. I said, yeah, 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 but wait till you get that real jerk. It's like I'm not putting it on Just anyway. wait till you get that real What are you going to do with jerk? that guy? Well, I can't throw him on. I said, then eh, you're going to close the church down on you. And just a look on his face. I'm like, you are in uncharted territories, Father. You need to hand it over to the to the Marine chaplain, Father Paul, for this stuff, because he'll, he'll just start yelling at people. <laughs> Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, broadcast, basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. The EP Podcast. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always at the EPPodcast.com. Play out this. Get on with it. If you want to change the world, shut your mouth and stop this minute. Get off this. Get on with it. If you want to change the world, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Just get off this. Get on with it. If you want to change the world, shut your Twitter down and quit it. Get off this. Get on with it. If you want to change the world, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Yeah. Na 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 Let's get off this na, 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 na.
na 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 na